Hello, online family. My name is Matthew Malik, and I'm the lead pastor here at Refuge. We are so incredibly glad that you chose to tune in to the Refuge official podcast today. We believe the message you are about to hear will inspire you in a very meaningful way. We believe the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work in your life. And we believe that you'll hear from him today. Please enjoy. Today's message, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about faulty foundations. And, you know, this is a little bit tough. This is a tough subject because when you're looking at a faulty foundation, you're looking at something in the negative, something that, that is serious. And so with this message, um, it may make you feel very uncomfortable. It, and it's okay. You know, we're, none of us have, have made it. You know, this was a very uncomfortable message for me to prepare. I had to fight back tears um, because the Lord was dealing with me. And so you guys are just the second person to hear it. I heard it first, you know. So as we're looking at this subject, it will bring conviction, but it will not be condemning. Conviction brings freedom and change. Condemning brings shame and guilt. And Jesus has given us grace and mercy through the blood of Jesus to restore faulty foundations in our life. And so when we think of a foundation, when you think about a foundation in your house, in your home, or, or a structure, really it's something that is below the surface that you can't see. It's in the unseen realm. Um, but if it's faulty, it, it affects the seen realm. And so that's very much so in our own lives. Below the surface, we may put on facades. We might try to fake it until we make it. And we try to appear to be something that we're not. But below the surface, there may be foundational issues, cracks and flaws in our life that no one else sees, but you know that they're there. Their hurts, their pains, their disappointments. And you know what? God knows your foundational issues. He knows the very things that are in your life and heart that no one else knows. And so, oftentimes, um, when we're dealing with these issues, people think that Christians, they have it all together. But many times, Christians don't. Christians go through things. And just because you are a Christian and live a life of faith doesn't mean that you will not experience hurt or pain or disappointment. But being a Christian and having faith in Christ gives you the ability to overcome those things, all right? So when we're looking at foundational issues, and, and there are things in the natural that affect our foundations, and there are, and there are different, um, different things that, that affect it, but I want to look at four things just from a natural perspective, and they really correlate to spiritual truths. And so... With natural foundations of a home or structure, issues can happen from various causes. So four causes that, that from what we research about is, number one, a poor soil condition. If you're building a structure on a poor soil condition, that foundation will be compromised. Number two, hot and dry conditions can affect the ground that that foundation is built on. Uh, 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 what is called, number three, what is called transpiration can affect the found, a foundation of a home. Transpiration is just, is, is caused by roots of, from vegetation of trees, shrubs, plants, bushes that absorb moisture around that foundation and suck the life out of the ground that causes that compromises that foundation. Or the roots can get underneath a foundation, roots from a tree. Uh, we lived in a home in Oklahoma, and we had a, a big pecan tree outside the backyard, and those roots went underneath our, um, our concrete slab patio, and it literally just split it apart. And so roots by close to your foundations can cause issues. Um, improper drainage from rainwater can affect your foundation. 
If, if the rainwater is not flowing properly away from your foundation, it can compromise it. And so we want to look at these things. We want to look at some of the spiritual truths. So the faulty foundation, number one, the poor soil condition. So if you have your Bibles or if you have a media device, your phone or something, pull up in, in the Bible, um, Luke chapter 6, verse 46. We want to read this. Luke six forty six. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it, was, because it had been well built... But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a home on the ground without a foundation. When the streams broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. And so in our first um, lesson, Sam brought a message on rock or sand, and he talked about building foundations upon sand. And I just kind of want to take some things from, from that sermon there and kind of um, build off of that. But what Jesus does here, that very first verse that we read in verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me hears my word and does them, it's those that builds his life on the foundation of the rock. And so what Jesus is doing here is Jesus is implying that those who do not do the word, do not put it into practice in their life, have no right to call Jesus Lord. He is implying then that those who do the word of God put it into practice. It is those who are submitted to the lordship of Christ. So if we do not practice the word of God, if we don't put it into practice in our lives, then we are not submitted to the lordship of Christ. That is the root issue of all foundational problems, is not submitting to the lordship of Christ. Now, when we think of foundational issues, you may think of drugs and alcohol, addiction, pornography, lust, wrong relationships. All those things we can say they're wrong foundations. But really, those aren't foundational problems. That's the house, that is what is seen, that is what is evident in the natural. The unseen is what God looks at, what Jesus looks at. The foundational issues is not submitting to the lordship of Christ. Because if we submit to the lordship of Christ, those other things will take care of themselves. If we're, out of the, if we're not living in conformity to the lordship of Christ, then we are out of reference to the cornerstone as what Amy talked about last week. Now, some of these things, addiction, drugs, alcohol, lust, those type of things, you may need help. You can't do it alone. You know, it's one thing to, to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but sometimes we need help. Sometimes we need other people in our lives to walk us through these things. And so sometimes we may need professional help. And so that's why we need, we need people in our lives, like the pastors, like Pastor Matt and Pastor Deb. You know, there have been things in my life that they know about, that I've counseled with them through, and they have walked me through that. Or I have other people in my life that I have confided things to. Develop a network of people that you can go to that will help you. Christianity was never made to walk alone. It is a community of believers. Find that community. Get hooked up into small groups throughout the week. Get connected to people who are walking through things that can help you. Okay? So I want to ask you this. 
or, or I want you to think about this. Just take a second and think about it and ask yourself a question. Am I submitted to the lordship of Christ? Are you submitted to the lordship of Christ? So it's more than just Jesus being our savior. The world thinks Jesus is their savior, but they don't acknowledge him as Lord. Are you submitted to the lordship of Christ? As I was preparing this message um, this week, the Lord said this to me, and I thought it was for somebody else. I thought it was actually for the sermon, but it was, he was talking to me, and I want to tell you what he said. He said, if there's an area in your life you are not experiencing freedom, it may be an area that you have not fully submitted to the Lordship of Christ. That's heavy. With Lordship, there is freedom. With submission to Christ, there is liberty. Submission to Christ is not bondage. It's freedom. It's freedom from sin. It's freedom from shame. It's freedom from guilt. It's freedom from addiction. It's freedom from anything that Satan tries to bind us with. It's freedom. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul writes, Now the Lord, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, or you can say where the Spirit of the Lord is acknowledged, there is freedom. So is there an area of your life that you are not experiencing freedom? Then we need to examine ourselves and find out, are we submitted to the Lordship of Christ? With Lordship comes a term that we read throughout Scripture. It's called the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. It is a holy reverence and honor for Christ. It's something that's holy. The fear of the Lord is, is not being afraid of God or like you'd be afraid of a, of a snake or a mouse or a rat. The fear of the Lord is a wholesome dread of displeasing him because you love him. Jesus said, I always do the things that please my Father. That's what the fear of the Lord is. Always doing the things that please him. Psalm, 11, or Psalm 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. So see here, fear of the Lord is a foundation. All who obey his commands will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. So the fear of the Lord is a foundation, and it's connected to obedience. We obey him. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. The wise obey, the fools despise. We cannot be foolish. We have to submit to the lordship of Christ. If we want freedom in our life, in every single area, doesn't matter what area it is, we have to submit to the lordship of Christ. Now, I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know where the things that you're going through, but I know in my own life that there have been times where I haven't submitted to the Lordship of Christ, and it has costed me. But I know that God is merciful, and he's gracious, and he's forgiving. And if he hasn't given up on me, he will not give up on you.
And if we go to him and acknowledge our sin and confess it, and sometimes we may have to confess it before others. I have had to confess areas in my life before others. Sometimes we have to do that. And it says in 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to cleanse us, to wash us from those areas where we haven't submitted to his lordship. Now, there are other faulty foundations, so let's, let's, let's look at them. I had mentioned dryness, dryness, lack of water. And so, if um, last month I had, when I spoke, I spoke, I, I mentioned uh, our house in Tulsa. And our house in Tulsa um, had a faulty foundation. Uh, we, put the, we were going to put the house up on the market to, to sell, and... Um, but we couldn't sell it unless we fixed that foundation of that house. There, the walls were cracking. Um, they were splitting apart. You couldn't close doors properly. Um, you had to lift up on the, on the door handle and shove it into the, into the door frame. Things weren't working properly in that house. And so we had to put piers in, these hydraulic piers that would jack up that house to make it all level. And we had to put 13 of these piers in, and they costed about almost $500 a pier. So it's very costly to have a bad foundation. And so one of the reasons, and working with the, the contractors and the structural engineers that did that, um, that work, <clears throat> one of the issues that caused that faulty foundation was a lack of water and dryness. See, we lived in Oklahoma, and it gets very dry and hot there. And if you don't maintain that foundation, they said by watering it properly or getting a soaker hose to go around that foundation during seasons of drought or dryness, it can compromise it. And so that's, that relates to our walk with God. Oftentimes, we go through our Christian walk, and there are times of spiritual dryness, I have been in times of spiritual dryness where things just weren't impactful to me. I'd be in worship service and I, I would just be going through the motions. Waterless Christianity goes through the motions and puts on a facade, but there is no reality. There is no conviction. There is no passion. It is passionless Christianity. I am determined not to live anymore with a passionless Christianity. Not living in conformity to the Lordship of Christ leads to spiritual dryness. It, is, it comes when other things satisfy you more than Christ. And they may not necessarily be wrong things or sinful things. You just put them in front of Christ. Um, after our, um, Allie was born, my, um, our first child, um, I took on a second job. So I didn't have a day off. It, it, it'd be over a month before I would have a day off. And so I stopped going to church. I stopped reading my Bible. I became spiritually dry. That lasted for five years. Five years without, not, without picking up my Bible and reading it. Dryness. I felt miserable. I felt alone. Spiritual dryness is like a desert. It's a lonely place. It's a place that you feel forsaken. Spiritual dryness. Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 12 through 13 says, Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. That's the evil number one, forsaking him. Let's call it what it is. 
Sometimes we call the things that we do, these fleshly things, as being issues or problems. Honestly, to be real blunt about it, it's sin. God calls it evil. Let's just call it what it is. There have been times where I've forsaken him, and it was evil. And he is, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And what's the second evil? The second thing is they hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So when I would have off, I wouldn't read the Bible, I wouldn't go to church, I would spend my time in front of the TV, or I'd get myself involved with sports. I love sports, so I'd wrap myself into that. There's nothing wrong with sports. Sports are good. But if it becomes a God to you, it becomes a broken cistern and is unsatisfying. Many guys, uh, they get into fishing or hunting. If these things are taking you away from the word or taking away from going to church, they're broken cisterns. They cannot satisfy you. Jesus has to be the complete satisfaction of our life. He is the fountain of living water. Psalm 63, 1 says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. See, the world is a dry and weary place. It is only in God, in Christ, that our thirst for satisfaction is satisfied. Jesus said in John chapter 4, verses 13 through 14, everyone who drinks of this water, this natural water, things of this world, in, in other words, will be thirsty again. In other words, it, it's not going to satisfy you. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will, will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. So we have to acknowledge that and turn from that and repent. Peter says, in, uh, or John, said, John Peter, um, actually it was Peter said in Acts chapter 3, verse 20, the times of refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. If we want to be refreshed and get rid of spiritual dryness in our life, it comes from the presence of the Lord. Spiritual dryness then leads to the third faulty foundation. And we compared it to transpiration. Other trees and shrubs and plants having their roots attacking the foundation and absorbing moisture away from the ground. We can compare that to worldliness, acting like the world, thinking like the world, doing what the world does instead of what Jesus says to do in his word. Worldliness will attack the foundation of faith in your life. In fact, Jesus compares worldliness to vegetation and plants in the parable of the sower with the, with the, with the thorns that grew up and choked the word of God and kept it from bearing fruit in people's lives. He says the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of the world, the desires or lust for other things are like thorns that grow up. Worldliness, acting like the world, will attack your foundation. So when I went through that time of spiritual dryness, stopped going to the church, I became very worldly. I worked, I worked at a secular job, started talking the way the world talked, joking with them, talking... Uh, off-color, crude jokes. 
started using wrong language out of my mouth, began to drink alcohol. Now, I don't know where you're at with the issue of alcohol, and I'm not here to get into that, but for me, drinking alcohol was an indication that my heart was not right with God. It was, it was an outward manifestation of an inward condition of being backslidden. So you have to ask yourself, are you drinking from that standpoint? Are you backslidden? Are you acting like the world? That's where I was. And I lived like that for five years until April 2nd in 2008. And I was back here, my, uh, back in that back row. My family had just moved here. And we had a guest speaker here, and he called me out. And he basically read my mail. You know what I mean by that? He told me things that only I would know. And he prayed for me. And since that day, April 2nd, 2008, I have never been the same. Now, in the book of Joshua, we read about um, the children of Israel after they have crossed the Red Sea, after the leadership of Moses, leaving their captivity in, 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 um, in Egypt, they are now going into the promised land. Moses is now dead. Joshua is now becoming the leader of the people. They are going into the promised land, and they're about to cross the Jordan. And what stands in their way is a city called Jericho. And Jericho was a fortified city with extremely high walls and deep foundations. And through God's miraculous intervening, those walls fell down and the children of Israel were then able to move forward. The, the Jordan River was divided and they crossed into the uh, promised land. And so this week in talking with Pastor Matt about this, um, and, and, and reviewing it, uh, he had mentioned that, that uh, the um, walls of Jericho were to be a testimony of the deliverance and the delivering power of God. It was to, it was to show um, their deliverance from bondage and captivity and to never return to it. And so Joshua actually... Um, gave a word from the Lord about those walls. He says in Joshua 6, verse 26, at that time Joshua invoked this curse. May the curse of the Lord fall on anyone who tries to rebuild the town of Jericho at the cost of his firstborn son. He will lay its foundation. At the cost of his youngest son, he will set up its gates. So there's some things that, there's some foundations that need to be destroyed and never rebuilt. The children of Israel were never to rebuild that wall. But in 1 Kings, we read, someone tried to rebuild that, that wall. And it says in uh, 1 Kings 16.34, it was during this reign that Hiel, a man from Bethel, rebuilt Jericho. When he laid its foundations, it cost him the life of his oldest son, Abiram. And when he completed it and set up its gates, it cost him the life of his youngest son, Segub. This all happened according to the message from the Lord concerning Jericho, spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. Now, my point is this. God, when God delivers us from something, we are not to go back and to rebuild something that he's delivered us from. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to kill your kids or anything like that. But what I am saying is if we go back and we rebuild the things that God removed, then it will cost us. It will cost us his blessing in our lives. We cannot go back and build the foundation of worldliness in our lives when God delivered, it, delivered us from it. Why go back to it? 
We need to go forward across the Jordan and into the promised land where God has destined our lives to be and not go back to a city of Jericho. Let's leave Jericho. I told you this was a tough one. (laughs) But again, this message, more than any other message that I've ever done, impacted me personally because God was dealing with me. So, faulty foundation number four. Improper drainage of water from storms can cause foundational issues. So we read there in in Luke chapter 6 that those built upon the foundation of the rock, the storms come and it doesn't shake the house. Those who are built upon sand, the sand the, the storms, the water washes away the sand and the foundation gives way and the, and, and, the, and the structure falls. Storms in life come to us all. Situation, trials, circumstances come to us. Temptation to fall into sin comes to us. They They happen. And oftentimes, like natural storms, natural storms leave destruction. Natural storms leave pain and hurt. Natural destructions leave wounds and they damage us. Oftentimes, that is how it happens in life. Storms of life can cause hurt or pain. It may be things in your childhood, things that you grew up with that hurt you. Someone maybe, maybe hurt you. Maybe you grew up in a, an abusive home where there was physical abuse or mental abuse or verbal abuse. And it caused pain and hurt and anguish in your life. And they attacked the foundation of your faith. Without a proper drainage system, it will ruin us. We have to allow the past hurts and pains to flow properly away from us and not allow it to attack us, not allow it to attack our faith. See, I grew up um, in a minister's home, so we, we traveled around a, a lot, uh, moved in different places. So I was always the, the, the new kid in school. And uh, so because of that, never connected with anybody, never had friends, never developed relationships. Um, and so I was picked on because of that. And if you haven't noticed, I deal with a speech impediment. I deal with stuttering. And because of that, I was bullied in school, among friends, and even family members because of the way I talked or because of the way I looked because, you know, I've got a good German nose. And so I can smell pretty good. (laughs) So I was picked on for the the way I, I looked. And so when you grow up, Without any friends, you grow up alone, you get, and you get bullied. Those things impact you, and they attack you to the core of who you are. Bullying is a horrible thing. Picking on someone else for something that they can't help is evil. It's, it's wrong. So because of that, I isolated myself. Um, and became a people pleaser, wanting to appease people, wanting them to like me, doing things to try to please them. And so, you know, to, to a certain extent, I still have to deal with some of those trains of thoughts. I became very prideful um, because of hurt. Hurt 
and wounds produce pride. A low self-esteem about yourself really is a backdoor of pride. Because if you have a low self-esteem, then your focus is really upon you. That's where I was. And a low self-esteem and pride produced anger in me. I would be angry at people, lash out, lash out at my family members, do things that weren't right. But also trying to be that, that people pleaser. Recently, the Lord gave me this definition of being a people pleaser. He said, the problem with people pleasing is it comes not from the motive of wanting to love and bless others, but it comes from a self-seeking ambition that seeks to comfort one's own fears and insecurities by the affirmation of others. That's what people-pleasing does. It seeks to please others for the purpose of their praise and recognition. It's pride. So these things are things that, had, that I had to, to deal with. And they produced other things that, I, um, that I, I don't want to get into in my life. But they were wrong. And so my personality changed because of this. Uh, my, because of being picked on, you, you tend to avoid people. You don't want to push yourself into compromising situations where you have to talk. <laughs> because then you become vulnerable because of the past. And so in psychology, there are three things in, that psychologists say that, that determine our personality. Number one, it's genetic determinism. So in other words, it it's, comes from who you were born to your family, your lineage, the physical traits that's in your DNA that oftentimes will determine your temperament, okay? So genetic determinism. The other one is environmental determinism. Um, That is simply I am what I am because of my surroundings, those who influence me. So you could say your family life, how you were raised, um, the circle of friends that you have, or your experiences in high school or, or, junior, or junior high, oftentimes will develop our personality. And so if we happen to go through things in life or have the wrong type of friends, we will start to think the way they think, and it will actually change your personality. The third type is mental determinism. I am what I am because of my experiences. These are life experiences often develop our thought pattern. Oftentimes, these are issues of trauma or abuse or being bullied. will change the way you think and pattern your life after. Traumatic experiences early on in childhood or even as you're developing a your personality in your teen years can have an impact on determining your personality as an adult. So oftentimes when we go through a a trial or circumstances or traumatic event in our past, in our our childhood, if we're faced with the the same type of circumstances in our adult year, in in our adult years, we will revert back to how we were as a child, and we will act like a child. We will lash out like a child does. It's called arrested development. And oftentimes, we make life commands then. What are life commands? These are vows that we make to ourselves. They could be good, they can be bad. But oftentimes, life, com- life commands can be bad. Well, I'll never trust another person in my life. I, if we're hurt at church, if we're hurt by someone in a, in a leader in a church, well, I'll never go to church again. I'll never give again. We make these vows, life commands. And oftentimes we do them because we are, we are thinking we are guarding ourselves from hurt or pain. 
But really what we're doing is we're hardening our hearts to people, to relationships, and to even God. Don't confuse guarding your heart with hardening it. So we read about those determinisms, genetic, environmental, mental. But in Christ, there is a new determinism. It's the in Christ determinism. It's our union with Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has has become new. You have been born into a new family. It doesn't matter how your father was or your grandfather was or the gene pool that you came from. You have a new gene system. You have a new bloodline, and that is the blood of Jesus. And being in union with him. So when we submit to the lordship of Christ, we are walking in union with Christ, in reference to the cornerstone. We can have the worship team come up. just want to read a few more verses as the worship team uh, comes up. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, see, we are in a fight. We are in a spiritual fight. And a lot of times when we're dealing with past hurts and pains, it's a fight. It's a fight to overcome our tendencies that have been ingrained in us since we were young kids. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You can be in your 70s and still have bitterness from something that happened 50 years ago. It's a fight. These hurts and pains oftentimes cause unforgiveness and bitterness. Unforgiveness and bitterness will ruin your foundation in Christ. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So what is a stronghold? Well, a stronghold is anything that can have a stronghold on on you, no matter what it is. Literally, what a stronghold is, it's that Greek word, akaruma, and it literally means a fortress, a structure that is fortified. In other words, it's something that has a deep foundation, something that's rooted deep, that's unmovable and unbudgeable. In antiquity, this word was also used for prisons. Sometimes things in our life, hurts, pains, shame, guilt, they can become a fortified prison in our life where it holds your mind in bondage to your past. But it says we have weapons at our disposal that can bring down these strongholds. We have the blood of Jesus. We've been washed. We've been cleansed. We have the word of God. We have the spirit of God. Greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. The greater one lives on the inside of you. You have weapons at your disposal that can bring down the prison of your past shame and guilt and hurts and pains. Verse 5, casting down imaginations. Imaginations are things in your mind. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience, or you could say the lordship of Christ. Every thought to the lordship of Christ. It is all about lordship. 
who is your Lord. It is only through submitting to the Lordship of Christ that, like as I said earlier, that we will find freedom from every area of our life, including past hurts and pains. And as we release forgiveness to other people and receive forgiveness, can we truly walk free? With every head bowed and and every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, I spoke for a few, just a few moments about these tough areas of our life. Things that make us feel uncomfortable or are uneasy. That bring conviction. But where there is conviction, there is the Holy Spirit that can bring cleansing and that can bring freedom. So, Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit would be here right now. Move upon your people, Father. Move in the hearts of everyone that is in this auditorium or listening online. Cleanse us. Heal us. Forgive us of our sin and our shame. Make us new. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, not just a Savior, but Lord, I'm telling you, you have no foundation. And if you were to die today, because you don't know when you're going to die, if you have not made him Lord, I have to be truthful. I have to be honest because the Bible says it. You would be separated from God and live in eternity in hell. A place that was never created for you. There's only freedom from sin and bondage. It's only in Christ. It's only through saving faith in him and his grace that he has shown you. And it is a free gift. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to try to do things good. It is a free gift. All you have to do is reach out and take it by faith. If that is you, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, and if you've never submitted to him everything, submitting to him everything, everything that we are, not just one area of our hearts, but all our hearts, every single part of us, I want you to lift your hand. Lift your hand if you want Jesus if you want to surrender your life to, to, to him. Thank you, I see those hands. Thank you, I can see that hand. Let's pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you now. I repent of my sin. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to wash me. Wash me from hurts. Wash me from pains. Wash me from addiction. Wash me from my sin. Come into my heart now. I believe, Father, that you died, that Jesus died and rose again from my sin. Make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen.
you may be a believer and you may be sitting there and you're in that spiritual dry place I'm telling you there's only refreshing in Jesus I want to pray for you Father God refresh your people with your spirit we determine never to let anything satisfy us but you forgive us where we have made other things priority instead of you everybody just stand on your feet just lift up your hands and in your own words just cry out to God Jesus we need you we need your spirit heal us cleanse us we cry out to you Thank you for your blood, Jesus, that washes us. We determine right now to consecrate our life, to consecrate our hearts, to separate ourselves from the world, from the passions of our flesh, and to live holy and with the fear of the Lord. Thank you so much again for tuning in to the Refuge Official Podcast. We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to receive from the Lord today. If you chose to give your life to Jesus today or would like to find more of our content, we would love for you to get connected with us on our website at wearerefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing week.